is a bonus episode of Decoding Fox News, and I am your host, Juliet Jeske. Each week, I watch and analyze 15 hours of Fox News and then break it down. I watch all the Fox News you'd never want to. This project is made possible by the Tao Knight Center for News Integrity at the Craig Newmark Graduate School of Journalism at CUNY. For those folks outside of New York, CUNY stands for City University of New York. I'm a graduate of that program, not a student, and if you don't know me, I have a long history covering and researching the far right, specifically a hate group known as the Proud Boys. Now, before we get into it, I got some exciting news. I, um, this, tr- this project is like micro-budget, and it truly is a one-woman show, meaning I cut all the video, I watch all the video, I analyze um, all the coverage on Fox News, I put everything on Twitter, I write the newsletter... I record this podcast, I mix this podcast, I publish this podcast. I had a technical problem with Apple Podcasts and didn't realize it. So it was using the wrong title and nobody could find it. And it wasn't showing up correctly. It technically wasn't published and I didn't know this. And so I had to go through some machinations. I got it fixed. So I think I've only been on Apple Podcasts for a short period of time. But that means this podcast goes out to every podcast provider because they all scrape apparently from Apple. So this is exciting. And Apple sent me uh, an update right away saying that this podcast, which this floored me, is uh, very popular in Nigeria. (laughs) So I just want to say hello, Nigeria. I'm shocked and amazed that people in your country would listen to a political podcast about Fox News. Thank you so much. I know you speak English, but it is with a very different accent. I've met Nigerians and worked with Nigerians here in New York City. Um, And so I hope you can understand me. I talk fast uh, because even with an accent, it can be difficult. Like if, if I'm listening to a British person speak very fast or an Australian or a Nigerian, I might be like, what did you say? So I'm going to try now that I know um, that I had more international listeners than I thought. I'm going to try to slow down a little bit because I am kind of um, a typical New Yorker. I talk very, very fast. So it's how we do. It's how we do. I don't know why. I don't know why you move here. You talk fast. You get aggressive and you're loud. It's what happens. That's New York. I always say I want to take a meek person, meek, quiet individual and be like, can you live in New York for six months? Just see what happens. (laughs) In six months, you'll be like, forget about it. I need a cup of coffee. Get out of my way. That's what's going to happen. That's what's going to happen. That's what happened to me. Well, I was already kind of loud. Anyway, here we go. Fox, this is the headline. Fox News coverage of the January 6th committee, day nine. We're into it. That's what we're doing. Here we go. An overview of how Fox News covered the last installment of the January 6th committee hearing and how it compared to a nonpartisan network. Fox News put its usual spin on the final installment of the select committee to investigate the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol. As far as the right-wing network was concerned, the riot was more of a protest. No one was really in danger. The president was barely involved, and American voters don't really care about it either way. The hearing was presented as political theater, meant to distract voters from rising inflation, gas prices, and general economic insecurity. Fox has been consistent in their complete avoidance of any of the damning evidence presented against former President Donald J. Trump. The network has still never acknowledged that the 2020 election was legitimate. 
Overall, Fox News has approached the January 6th committee hearings reluctantly, like a spoiled teenager with a burdensome homework assignment. They cover it, but they don't love it. Fox News acknowledges that the riot happened, but they've downplayed the severity of violence and destruction. To Fox News, the attempted insurrection was just sort of some angry people who got a little out of hand. During the past nine installments, no one at Fox ever acknowledged that multiple Fox personalities tried to reach out to Trump during the riot, or that their favorite would-be despot was watching Fox News while rioters bashed in windows and smeared human feces on the walls. Their message to viewers is, there's nothing to see here. As always, I compared the commentary on Fox News to a nonpartisan media source, the PBS NewsHour, which I'm a huge fan of, by the way. Here we go. The select committee to investigate the January 6th committee on the attack, day nine. Fox News references included as evidence, day nine. So Kaylee McEnany, testimony. Although she was the White House press secretary at the time, she now works as an anchor for Fox News. The second was a reference to text messages sent by Fox anchors Sean Hannity and Laura Ingram to the chief of staff, Mark Meadows, urging then-President Donald J. Trump to call off the mob. The first text was from Hannity. Can he make a statement? I saw the tweet. Ask people to peacefully leave the Capitol. Second was Ingram. Hey, Mark, the president needs to tell the people in the Capitol to go home. Fox News has never acknowledged that anyone from their network was trying to reach out to the president the day of the attack. They have come up in multiple episodes of the select committee uh, hearings. They've had screenshots of their text on the screen. They've had people talk about their text at length. Uh, Brian Kilmeade is also included in this group. None of the commentary that I've watched, and I've watched all of it for all nine episodes, has this ever been discussed. They've also never really talked at length on the fact that Donald J. Trump was watching Fox News while the riots were happening. He just sat in a dining room and watched it on a TV live as it was happening. So, you know. Interesting that Fox just leaves that out. They have a tendency to do this. If they don't like a story, if it doesn't fit with their agenda, they just ignore it. Um, and I've talked about this in previous newsletters. Um, black Americans being harmed by police. Not They always ignore those stories in general. Most stories about black Americans, they tend to ignore. Um, and they're very selective about what they cover. They, they don't cover climate disasters all over the world. They just ignore them. They don't cover most of what happens in Europe. They certainly don't cover Africa at all, ever. They ignore Israel-Palestine completely for the most part. Um, so they just, you know, it's, it's half of their grift is just they just ignore things. So if you exclusively watched Fox, you'd have no idea that half of this stuff is going on in the world. You just have no clue because they don't talk about it. They just repeat the same like five stories on a given day, they'll just pound that into their viewers, and then they just completely ignore the fact that, oh, there's protests in Iran, for instance, that have been going on for a month. They've never, I've never seen them do a segment on that so far. So here's the commentary that I'm going to be breaking down. I've got some great clips. Um, the duration of the hearing was two hours and 12 minutes. The duration of commentary was 38 minutes. It was 16 minutes in the recess, and then post-hearing, they did 22 minutes. And this week, it lines up perfectly with PBS, so I could do a really cool comparison. 
And it was the most exciting graph I've ever made between these two networks. And yes, graphs make me super excited because <laughs> I am a super nerd. So here we go. So the panel included, this was a big panel too. They, they kind of rotated people in and out. But we had Sandra Smith of Fox News, Trace Gallagher of Fox News, Martha McCallum of Fox News, Chad Pergram of Fox News, David Spunt of Fox News, then Mark Thiessen from the Washington Post. He's a conservative writer. And then Byron York of the Washington Examiner, also a very conservative paper. Annie McCarthy, he's a Fox News legal analyst. And Jonathan Turley, another well-known Fox News legal analyst. So that was quite the panel. Overall, the Fox personalities kept trying to pull focus away from Trump as if the riot would have happened anyway, and Trump just happened to be president at the time. There were also multiple references to the theatrical nature of the event as if the presentation wasn't of substance because it was too polished and slick. Fox News legal analyst Andy McCarthy offered a muddled explanation of why it would be difficult to charge former President Donald J. Trump with a crime. This clip is long and kind of confusing, so I'm going to break it up as I play it. According to the committee, we heard it from Liz Cheney at the beginning and Adam Schiff at the end, Trump is the center of everything. He's the be-all and end-all of the conspiracy. Uh, if you go down to where they're trying the case against the Oath Keepers, Donald Trump is not the center of the storm. He's a passing cloud. He's a tangential figure. Um, their theory at, uh, in the courthouse is that the Oath Keepers were planning to make war against the United States, use force against the government, which is what the seditious conspiracy charge is, and that Donald Trump was just a pretext for them to do what they were planning to do anyway. McCarthy is a lawyer, so it should be obvious to him that a case against a group or individual attacking the Capitol would be quite different from how a prosecutor might form a case against Trump, the person who may have encouraged others to use violence. McCarthy continued. Uh, and the reason for that is clear. To say that you're making war against the United States, it would be very difficult. In my case, for example, it, it was very clear that we were dealing with jihadist, foreign jihadist enemies of the United States. There was no ambiguity uh, about who the good guys were and the bad guys were, who the alternative sides were. Here, what the Oath Keepers want to say is that they thought they were being called out not to make war against the government, but called out by the head of the government, the chief executive, uh, to save the government, not to make war on it. I'm still not really seeing his argument as the Oath Keepers were in a very different position than Donald J. Trump would have been. So I, I don't really understand what he's talking about there. I don't quite get it. He has a long um, and, you know, very prestigious career. Um, since I sort of discovered him on Fox, he always cracks me up because sometimes he'll say something very intelligent and I'll be like, yes, even though I don't agree with you much, I agree with you on that. And then sometimes he says absolutely crazy things. And to me, this quote, I was just puzzled. I was, I don't know why you're talking about a group that would have been kind of a minion and trying to compare that with the, you know, president of the United States just seems very odd. I don't quite get it. So the lack of opposing voices in the investigation has been one criticism that's been repeated on Fox News since the first hearing. The critique is a bit hollow as Democrats originally sought an independent commission to investigate the riot, similar to the 9-11 commission. 
but that idea was shot down by Senate Republicans. Minority leader Kevin McCarthy also pulled all five of his nominees for the committee after Speaker Pelosi rejected both Jim Jordan and Jim Banks. Now, both Banks and Jordan are strong allies of former President Donald J. Trump, and most importantly, both had objected to the certification of the 2020 presidential election in the House on January 6th. So they were sort of tacitly supporting this attempt to um, overthrow the results of the election. So, of course, no one at Fox reminded their viewers that attempts were made to create a more bipartisan investigation. They were also extremely worked up about how both committee members, Representative Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger, would be leaving Congress at the end of the term. So the Fox personalities were also outraged that this final meeting was being held 26 days before an election. So just as in past committee hearings, the Fox News journalists and legal analysts didn't focus on the evidence at hand. They also downplayed how it was Speaker Pelosi and Vice President Mike Pence who took steps to call the National Guard for additional security at the Capitol. They also briefly discussed Roger Stone's involvement with both the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers, but acted as if Stone was not closely tied with Trump himself. Now, this next, next example is what I'd call gaslighting. Gaslighting is when you just sort of invent your own reality. And this is Martha McCallum doing exactly that. Although they have said that President Trump was at the center of this from the very beginning, is directly tie him to the break-in and the riot at the Capitol. And I mm. think they have been trying to lay out everything they can with 26 days to the election. They know this is their last gasp, as I said, and they're hoping that it will have an impact. I think if they'd had the courage to do this in a more fulsome way, it might have had a stronger impact. So I have no idea what McCollum is talking about here. At this point, dozens of mostly Republican witnesses have testified that Trump was extremely connected to this riot. Mark Thiessen was basically angry that the evidence and images presented by the committee were so effective. Yeah, so like everybody on this panel, I was appalled by what happened on January 6th. I spent seven years working up on in the Senate. Uh, it was a privilege to walk out on the Senate floor. And every time I see video like what we saw today, my blood boils. Uh, but then as I watched that video today, I had this distinct feeling that I was be my emotions were being manipulated, <laughs> that I was be I was being I was being churned up uh, to get angry about this all over again. So that was one of the more humorous reactions on the panel because it was he was basically saying that the committee did such a good job with showing this compelling uh, video footage and showing testimony and evidence that he had an emotional reaction. And how dare they make him have an emotional reaction to something that actually happened. Oh my goodness, that was pretty funny. Pretty funny gymnastics there, buddy. So Fox also spent quite a bit of time exploring the different ways Trump's could be indicted and then went into a summary about the hundreds of rioters who've been arrested since the attack. McCallum and her cohorts reduced their crimes to simple trespassing as if the footage of men in riot gear beating police officers, smashing windows while screaming, hang Mike Pence, had not just been part of the broadcast they were supposed to be discussing. So most of Fox News viewers would have little interest in the technical aspects of how the Department of Justice might charge Trump. They even trotted out an obscure rule where they claimed Congress itself could prosecute Trump. I, it felt a bit like a stall tactic. It was easier to talk about arcane congressional rules than Trump supporters tearing apart the Capitol. 
Mark Thiessen, again, now he gave us another great quote, reminded viewers that none of this insurrection talk was even remotely relevant. And this is classic Fox News right here. And we just found out today that grocery prices went up 18%. Gasoline prices have gone up 59%. Natural gas prices are up 52%. Electricity is up 23%. New cars are up 17%. Used cars up 36%. Furniture up 22%. Clothes are up 10%. This is the worst inflation in four decades. We've got the worst crime wave since the 1990s. We've got the worst border crisis in American history. And most Americans look at this and say, I don't care right now about Donald Trump. I care about what's happening in my life. I care about the fact that I have to choose between gas and food that I that I that I have to choose between paying my rent and heating my home this winter. He is correct. Plenty of viewers don't care about what happened on January 6th and have very different concerns about the country right now. At the same time, there are millions of Americans who are deeply worried about the state of our democracy and don't want Trump to ever get close to power again. Overthrowing a government by violent insurrection is kind of a big deal. This attempt was half-baked, but the next one could be successful. So the panel at Fox also seems strangely fixated on two things. The fact that the hearing was technically now a meeting and the decision to subpoena Trump at the end of this process. So this is a condensed edit of all of the commentary. I reduced it down to two minutes. Two minutes is very long to play on audio. So I will be cutting this up a bit as I play it. Noting that there was a last minute change from it being labeled a hearing to a business meeting. Change this from a hearing to a business meeting. They I'm sure the hearing will, I should say the meeting, will be back underway just a few <laughs> moments from now. This potential to subpoena, to take a vote to subpoena the former president at the end of this now business meeting, not hearing. We so again, I have no idea why this was so important to them, <laughs> but they said that multiple times. Like there was this huge scandal. Like, it's a meeting now instead of a hearing. We do know that Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger will not be in office anymore. The House is likely to flip in the midterms. The the fact that they didn't have any members from the other side, uh, they were selected by the Republican Party. They so many people view this process as sort of one-sided and that it would have maybe achieved that goal in a more effective way way if they had not been afraid to allow this to be a more bipartisan process. So again, they've been saying that since day one, since the very first hearing. Now, this is where they're going to get into the, oh my gosh, there's an election. January 6th hearing or these hearings have impacted or might impact the midterm elections. Um, we head into this election. We're supposed to get their final report sometime around now prior to the midterm elections. The biggest reason being it's 26 days before the election. It appears that Republicans are going to win control of the House and the committee is gone. Then we get this new angle and this is Mark Thiessen again. I'm not going through all the voices because it would be utterly distracting to constantly interrupt this, but it's basically everybody I just described on the panel. I don't think it's a, it's a coincidence that they scheduled this, rescheduled this hearing for the day that the inflation numbers came out. Now this last clip is of Byron York of the Washington Examiner. He didn't say much during the discussion, but this clip, you'll see why I included it. The story being basically that this mob did attack the Capitol. Uh, most people were horrified, tried to get it to stop, but President Trump liked it. Uh, he thought these people were fighting on his behalf. Uh, and we saw more evidence about that today, but nothing to change the basic outline of the story. Basically what he's saying there is, 
yeah, Trump liked the fact that there was violence. And these people tried to destroy the Capitol. But, you know, I mean, the story didn't really change much since the last hearing. So I'm not impressed. I was like, what are you saying? Like, why did you? Nobody reacted. When he said that, there was just this blank reaction from the other people on the panel of like, what? Because <laughs> he made a couple doozies. But that was the one where I was like, wow, you support Trump and you said that. I'm going to play it again because it's that crazy. The story being basically that this mob did attack the Capitol. Uh, most people were horrified, tried to get it to stop. But President Trump liked it. Uh, he thought these people were fighting on his behalf. Uh, and we saw more evidence about that today, but nothing to change the basic outline of the story. Very briefly, I did also cover Hannity because I'm covering him this week anyway. He only talked about it for two and a half minutes, and it was just to promote his widely debunked conspiracy theory that Speaker Pelosi and the mayor of Washington, D.C. were the reason the Capitol was not better protected on January 6th. It's especially outrageous that Hannity continues to promote this completely false narrative, especially the, since the committee featured footage of Pelosi calling multiple governors for help while in a secured location at the Capitol. So, he, I mean, okay, buddy, whatever. I'm like, Pelosi, we saw it, you know, on day nine, they showed multiple clips of her calling various governors, Virginia, Maryland. Because if you're not American, Washington, D.C. is in a funky spot in that it's not a state. It's just sort of its own thing. So there is no governor of Washington, D.C. They're not in Virginia. They're not in Maryland. So it's sort of this weird territory that is sort of like a city state, kind of. Um, so she had no choice but to call Virginia and Maryland. And, um, of course, it, was, it ended up being Vice President Pence who called in the National Guard. Meanwhile, you know, Trump is sitting in a dining room watching this all on Fox. They always conveniently leave all that out on Fox News. So next up, I'm going to just briefly compare how Fox handled this with how PBS covered it. And when I first started this project, I chose PBS NewsHour because I had a studied PBS NewsHour when I was in graduate school. And I love how they handle the news. I love how they cover the news. And their political coverage is amazingly nonpartisan to the point that when I, I could show you spreadsheets where they'll be discussing a bill or a new law or um, policy, whatever, and they'll have a Democrat senator, senator come on, and I, I will literally watch the time. It'll be eight minutes. And then they go, okay, now we're going to talk to a Republican senator on the same topic. And again, watch eight minutes. Exactly. They, they do not mess around. They are straight down the middle with their political coverage, and I think they do a great job. Their stuff is very comprehensive. Um, there's a lot of detail. There's a lot of richness to their segments. It's just I cannot say good, enough good things about PBS NewsHour. I tell everybody to watch them because a lot of people are fed up with opinion news and they say, well, what would you recommend? I get this question a lot. People say, what would you recommend? And I say PBS NewsHour. I just really enjoy the fact that they do go out of their way to be nonpartisan. And I think we need more of that in the media right now. Um, I, I mean, I'm opinion media, I guess, because I'm breaking down hyper-partisan media. Um, but I try, even on this podcast, to not push my own political beliefs, to always say, think for yourself, don't listen to me, you don't have to agree with me, all of that. So I'll just go through their panel. Uh, it was, I'm going to hopefully not mispronounce her name, Amnya Navas of PBS, Lisa Desjardins of PBS, and then their experts were Mary McCord, and she used to work uh, in the Justice Department under Obama. She's a lawyer. 
And uh, Jamal Jafar, he used to work as associate counsel to President George W. Bush. So both of them have been on PBS before to talk about previous hearings. Um, and while Fox seemed more concerned about a hearing being renamed a business meeting, which I still find that very funny that they were so concerned about that, the legal experts at PBS dove headfirst into the evidence presented. And this is Jamal Jafar. Is the totality of the evidence that we've now seen sort of summarized today. The president knew he had lost. He didn't care. The president's people knew he had lost. They didn't care. To the contrary, they undertook every effort to reverse the results of the elections, knowing they had lost the election. And then when that failed in the courts, decided to go to the American people and their supporters and to gin up an event on January 6th that ultimately led to the violence we saw. The president knew what they were doing, didn't act to stop it. And the reason he didn't act to stop it was not because he didn't understand what was happening. It's because he wanted it to happen. Now, Jafar actually gave me several clips like that. It was actually quite difficult to pick the right one. I didn't want to spend too much time on PBS. But I just brought that out because I wanted to show how they immediately start talking about the evidence. They weren't talking about like, well, this was a hearing and now <laughs> it's a meeting? What? <laughs> and they weren't talking about like, we need more opposing voices on that panel. They immediately go right into the evidence of like, this is more proof that Donald J. Trump himself was deeply invested in this plan working, even though it didn't work. Um, and he also, you also get a sense of how worked up he is. And this is a man who worked for a Republican president. So, you know, that's his reaction. It's not, I mean, Fox likes to paint it as like, the only people who care about January 6th are, you know, the leftists of the left. And I, that cannot be further from the truth. Um, so, yeah, that was a great quote by Jafar. And they also, they didn't discuss, they did discuss how the public might react towards the decision to subpoena former President Trump. Um, and Jafar saw this as a political mistake, whereas Lisa Desjardins commented that prosecutors often wait to subpoena their true target until the very end of an investigation. She has a great quote. I think a lot of prosecutors might say, you know, the last one to get the subpoena is the target. And, and so, so those were two people who were like mildly disagreeing with each other. They didn't, she didn't actually say that right after um, Jafar had made his comment about, I think this politically might be a huge mistake to subpoena him at the end. And he had his reasons and he went on about that. And then later in the broadcast, she had made that comment. And it, like, they weren't fighting. There wasn't this tension or anger. It was just sort of like two different perspectives on the same thing, which I really enjoyed how they handled that. Now, this is a next quote is by Mary McCord, and this offers some context on why this is so important. And I, she, I mean, the insight of, it's amazing that PBS had two panelists and then their usual uh, Washington correspondents, and there was so much more depth in their coverage. And Fox had person after person after person and they basically kept repeating each other, um, you know, acting like this is no big deal. And I, I like, for instance, this is a great example. When in the Fox montage, I found several clips of them all basically saying the exact same thing. I could not do that with PBS. There's no possible way I could have gone through that and found the four different personalities saying the exact same line basically over and over. Couldn't do it. Not possible. So this next clip, again, gives you some context, which was so needed, uh, of why this is so important. That's what they teach us in J school. We're supposed to hit you up at the top with, this is what happened, and this is why it's important. Also called a nut graph. Okay, now everybody's just losing it. Like, why are you talking about nerdy stuff? 
I'm a nerd. That's what I do. Here we go. We're now seeing election intimidation. We're seeing calls for tailgate parties at ballot drop boxes to intimidate voters. We've seen intimidating signage near ballot drop boxes. We're seeing election deniers running for offices and to the point of things held the last time because at the local, state, federal level, people did their jobs. We have we have well over 100 election deniers running for secretaries of state, governors, people who are in positions who will have authority over elections, have authority to certify or not certify. So that was such a chilling statement because what she said is 100% correct. Anyone who follows media outside of Fox News has heard or seen, read story after story after story of election officials being harassed, people quitting their jobs because of it, and then people trying to strategically put themselves in positions of power so that if they are given an opportunity in the future to affect an election and change the outcome of election, they just might do it. And that should scare everyone. And that came about because of this goofy plot that failed miserably on January 6th. So I also talked about, I may have edited it out. Sometimes I edit out myself rambling. Um, <laughs> a graph that I'm very excited about. And boy, am I excited about this graph. Now, since this is audio, you can't see it. It's on the newsletter. The newsletter is at Decoding Fox News Substack. It's free. Um, I'll, what I do is I take, the, I take the transcripts of both Fox and PBS, and I start searching for words. So I'm going to go ahead and run down this for audio because I was very excited. I don't always run down the whole list. But this time I am because it was it's the differences are crazy. So in terms of the word Trump, uh, Fox said 47 times, PBS 31 times. About about it. Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Meeting. <laughs> As I was making fun of the fact that they were so obsessed with the fact that the hearing turned into a meeting. Uh, Fox said meeting 10 times. PBS said it once. Theater and theatrical was uttered eight times on Fox, zero times on PBS. Cheney was about the same. Midterm was about the same. Gas, five times on Fox, zero times on PBS. Inflation, four times on Fox, one time on PBS. Pelosi, exactly the same at three times. Now this one, this one, I couldn't believe it. I could not believe it. I triple checked it. The words violence and violent. Twice on Fox News, 16 times on PBS. Wow. Showbiz, once on Fox, zero times on PBS. This other one blew my mind. Blew my mind. I went through and said, I can't, this can't be right. So I typed things that were close to it because sometimes I use a transcription service. I actually use the one through Premiere Pro. They make mistakes. It makes mistakes. It won't hear something correctly. Um, you have to go through and make sure it spells stuff right. Um, Pence, so the word Pence for Mike Pence, or Vice President, how many times do you think that showed up on Fox? Zero. Zero. <laughs> PBS, 21 times. I've never seen a difference like that before, ever. I've done this every single time when the two commentaries were close. I don't do it when they're very lopsided, like when PBS gives me like an hour and Fox would give me 20 minutes. You can't really compare the two. But whenever they were close, I've compared the two and I've never seen anything like that before. Vice President, Fox didn't say it once, didn't say Pence once. 
PBS said it 21 times. That's crazy. And then finally, a big lie was uttered once in PBS, zero on Fox, and tweet or Twitter three times on PBS, zero times on Fox. The reason why I do uh, the word searches like that is it's hard to hide, right? That vice president one, it's hard to hide. It's hard to say, oh, no, no, we discussed Pence. We did. I mean, Pence had a huge role in the January 6th riot because he sort of saved the day in many ways. Surprisingly, it's the whole thing is so the story is just so crazy. But he did. He was loyal to the Constitution. He was loyal to the United States of America first before his relationship with Trump. Right. And so when you do a word search like that, it might seem stupid or meaningless to do it, but it shows you where they're hiding things. It's blind. It's 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 almost like analytical. It's an analytical way to look at something that is normally looked at emotionally. And that's why I love it. So I love word searches and I love charts because it's like turning words into data. You can't hide. You can't hide when you when you search for a word like vice president. Anyway, so that's the end of the podcast. Thanks for listening. It was a tremendous amount of work. I'm massively behind this week, like laughably behind. Uh, my homecoming for my graduate uh, program is tomorrow, so I'm going to be even more behind. <laughs> That's decoding Fox News for you folks. But anyway, thank you so much. I have a Patreon if you want to support this project. It is a micro budget. We're also looking for a home for this project um, because the grant is going to run out around February. Um, and I would love to keep working this way or working on something similar to this project. I had no idea it would be this big. I had no idea I would get this many followers or it would be this popular. It's been a huge, huge surprise. And I thank you all for supporting me so much. Uh, my podcast mascots, the cats known as Odin and Thor, also thank you. And you should get another podcast for me Monday. It might be late. <laughs> Sometimes they're late. Uh, Monday night, later than I want. But anyway, thank you so much. Uh, I will see you at the next podcast.